Travis Finis has the best job in the world. And I'm serious, man. He spent a career as a warrior in the United States Army. And then after retiring from the Army, he became the leader of the National Ranger Association, which gives him the opportunity to plan and run the greatest competition in the world. Travis Finis has the best job because he gets a chance to be around the greatest competition on the planet. And in this episode of Unbeatable, Travis and I spend a great deal of time talking about the best ranger competition. I'm super excited to introduce you to Travis Finis and talk about the best ranger competition on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Strucker. We'll start um, by talking about when you joined the Army, still 17 years old and still in high school. Does that mean that mom and dad had to sign uh, some paperwork allowing you to join? So I actually joined on my 17th birthday. And wow. I waited for a year, yeah. well, less than a year. Yeah. Um, but my parents, my mother's a math teacher. My dad's a union carpenter. They didn't have money overhead, and I knew I was a bad bet at the time anyway. And so my grandfather was in the 11th Airborne Division. Uh-huh. My father was drafted and served in Vietnam. So, the, uh, But my grandfather on the other side, my mother's dad, was an Air Force colonel. Uh, everybody knows quality of life's better in the Air Force. And I went of into course. the recruiting office, walked to the back where the Air Force was, and they weren't in there. You know, you had to make an appointment <laughs> yeah. if you wanted to see Air Force. But the Army, Navy, Marines, it was like, you know, hey, the whole way yeah. out. And so... The Army guy was an infantry guy. Uh, come to find out afterwards, he was not a ranger. He was not even in an airborne unit. He was airborne qualified. CIB holder, great. Right. You know, yeah. Okay. But he showed me the ranger. He's like, let me just sit down with you. And he showed me the video. Yeah. You know, and I was like, okay. And so being 17, my parents had to sign the permission slip yeah. for me to go to MIPS. And I told him it was just for a physical. And then I came back with a, a 11 a X-ray airborne yep. ranger contract. Yep. And my father is a typical Midwestern man, um, caustic to a point, and he's like, you're not going to make it. Well, thank God he did that. Yeah. Um, because you're setting out now to prove Dad wrong, absolutely. right? Like, whatever it takes, I'm going to prove him wrong. Yep. And uh, I, uh, we'll get to it in a moment, but I can remember specifically one time um, you were around, uh, but uh, when it came to fruition, so and it helped me. Yeah. Um, so. Um, you showed up right out of high school, went straight to the infantry. Uh, did you go straight to the, where did you end up? What was your first, first gig in the army? Uh, third Ranger Battalion. Okay. Yeah. Um, so OSIT one, three, eight, uh-huh. airborne school was the progression. Next. Yeah. In fact, when I got done with OSIT, I had listened to the barracks lawyers who told me like, Oh, they kill you in regiment, whatever. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> but I was very fast at that time. I was a lot uh, slimmer than I am now. Oh, come um, on, man. You look pretty good from here. <laughs> thanks. Um, but I just remember the, the guys from three, seven, five running through airborne yeah. school, like their hair was on fire. Uh-huh. And I was like, I could do that. I was like, I'm not listening to these guys anymore. So airborne school, I wasn't. It wasn't a big, I guess, mountain for me to climb. It seemed natural. I always loved heights, but then I got to rip, um, and I can remember you were one of my instructors. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, let's just talk about that yeah. for a second. Let's talk about how things went for you when you were at rip. So being a PV two, 17 years old, not knowing anything, you know, I'm trying to announce my alphaness in the world and. 
I think uh, you were going through a, a transition of your own because I, I noticed like you wouldn't curse, but you would say like like some staunch words like get your get your turtle malarkey over here and I'm like that's kind of weird you know but you were always like really hard and fair to all of us but there was no doubting your physical fitness um because basic training you walk when you row march it's just slow oh, yeah, you're falling yeah. asleep and I can remember when we did the 12 miler um we started off and I remember my shins were just on fire uh-huh. I didn't stretch properly I didn't know how to actually ruck at the time and so I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I should just probably quit. You know, this sucks, whatever. And then a bubble of my father going, you can't make it. Yeah. And I lost my mind on it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to show you. Uh-huh. And that was the first of many steps throughout my career that showed me that, you know, mind over matter, man. Absolutely. Take your mind yeah. out and you can do anything. And I think in the ranger profession, that's, that's what it's yeah, all about. What are the exactly capabilities right. of the human body? You know, and what do we limit ourselves to? You know, we're always asking to do more. And if you look throughout history, the things that have been done in Ranger lore, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, how? You know, you talk about Merrill's Marauders and Burma. And, yeah. you know, how did you do that? You know, the old blues platoon concept with uh-huh. LARPs and stuff. It's it's unbelievable because I, I love history because it's a big circle. Yeah. It's going to come back to us exactly the same. So. Yeah, Travis, I don't know one legendary ranger that doesn't share that part of your story that somebody looked him in the eyes and was like, man, you don't have what it takes or you're not tough enough or whatever. And when the moments were really, really bad, it was that drive to prove them wrong that kept them going. And that's the stuff that legends are made of. Man, I have I, I have a couple of moments of those right now thinking in the back of my mind of proving, deciding I'm just going to prove people wrong. I am not going to go back and uh, you know, let this thing beat me. Absolutely. I may die trying, but I'm not going to let this thing beat me. That's basically what I decided. Um, you spent a few, how long did you spend in the Ranger Regiment? Just a couple of years. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I still was learning, hadn't decided that my high school friends were not as good as the people I had yeah. in the military. So um, I get to a Ranger Regiment. It was Alpha Company, a third Ranger Battalion. My first first sergeant was Doug Greenway. Oh, yeah. Off member. Uh-huh. You put me through RIP. Hugh Rhodes was my first yep. platoon sergeant. I had Jesse Andert and Rich Thompson as squad leaders. So I, you want to talk about These it. guys are legendary. Yes. yes. I, I mean, fathers that I never – my father talked a good game, but when it came to execution, maybe he wasn't quite there. But, hey, that's he was doing the best he could. Yeah. You know what I mean? We all, we all try and live to a higher standard, but – these guys lived it every day. And yeah. I'm like, wow, you know, this is the epitome of what being a ranger's like, but I'm still not separated from my high school and my small uh-huh. hometown in Ohio. So, which was actually probably the best thing for me. I always credit regiment for making me hard. I credit going to the 501st in Alaska for making me smart. Yeah. So I went up there with the typical regiment attitude um, that any other unit is inferior. So it was Fonte, all that mm-hmm. good stuff. And then I started looking around and I realized, uh-oh, this is where you don't need to judge people right. on, you know, what unit they're serving in. Who You don't know anything yeah. about them because the sergeant major up there was Mike Kelso. Yeah. Famous, famous, famous. Uh-huh. Um, Chris Fanick, former RCO, was yeah. my first company commander. Had a guy named Brian Reed from 275 as my platoon sergeant. Um, had these amazing guys throughout my career that really showed me what right looked like even when I was resisting early yeah. on, right? So, and it's also difficult to say, you know, suck it up. You can deal with this at negative right. 80. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, so that was a negative good, 80 degrees. I hope everybody who's driving and listening to that right there, you just didn't miss what he said outside training in Alaska at negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Well, it was negative 50 ambient, and we had Chinooks pick yeah. us up this one particular yep. time that I remember. And you couldn't wear goggles at that time. I'm sure they have better products now, but <laughs> the difference in temperature between your skin to the exterior mm-hmm. of the goggles would make them immediately fog up, so you didn't wear them. The Chinooks had these giant heaters on the back, and I remember us getting in. You got whitewashed out with the snow and everything, and you get in there and try and knock the snow off of you. And I went to blink, and I was like, why can't my eyes shut? They were frozen your eyes open. are frozen, yeah. yeah. so it took about 30 seconds. Yeah. For my, and you can always tell new guys in Alaska because uh, typically when they run PT in the morning, you'll get ice crystals and stuff that hang uh-huh. off your, your face. Well, your, your eyelashes and your eyebrows, they're frozen. Mm-hmm. So if you wipe them, they fall off. So it looks like someone that, you know, has alopecia or yeah. something, you know, you're like, what's going on? There's no hair on their face. That's a new guy. You yeah. Know? So. Hey, if you're listening to this from around the world and you don't understand Fahrenheit temperatures, I think I didn't do the math right now. Dylan, you can probably search this on Google, but I think negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit is also negative 50 degrees Celsius. And all I know is negative 50 degrees is cold. Yeah. So it's pretty close to uh, the exact same temperature on the Fahrenheit Celsius scale. All I know is it's crazy cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is so much about your military career. And by the way, man, um, I just want to tell you, thanks. I do this every time I have the honor of being around a warrior or having them on this podcast. Thank you for the service that you gave to our country and for fighting for our freedom. Dude, there's a ton about your military career that I really want to talk about. But for the sake of this episode, what we want, I want to do is if you'll let me, let's just kind of hit the highlights up until you retire, because um, we're doing this episode the week of the best ranger competition on purpose. You and I have been talking about this for a couple of months so that we can really showcase the big star of this episode, which is the world's toughest uh, competition. So let's uh, tell me some of those other uh, highlights of your career before you took the uniform off and started doing what you're doing now. So real quick, um, I always had a dream to go into the medical profession. So uh, I, I went all in on the inter-service physician's assistant program. Um, and Which, I, explain that for people. The PAs, government's going to, yeah, the yeah, government's going to pick up the paycheck to turn you into a PA. Yeah, and it was uh, at Fort Sam Houston, uh, Texas. It was mm-hmm. through the University of Nebraska. Um, so I went all in on that. But I was still, I still had a job to do. Um, I think some of my mom came out in me because she was a teacher, 43-year educator. So I was an airborne school instructor right. for a period of time. While I was there, the Army started coming out with its combatives program, and I liked to fight. So back then, you know, just get after it. So I went all the way to level four, and that was kind of the trajectory I went. But being Ranger qualified, um, I can remember, you know, having to go out to RTB and do stuff. And I also helped with IOBC making, like, an informal pre-Ranger program there. So I got RI cert out there, and that's how I started running into who's now my best friends and people that I worked with later who are both uh, best Ranger winners themselves like you. Um, and so that's Colin Boley and yeah. Gerald Nelson. Yeah. Um, so, um, I wound up at, at the ARTB after a deployment with, uh, the first heavy brigade combat team. Um, totally different uh, you atmosphere. You deployed to Iraq with them? Yes. Yeah. Um, totally different atmosphere. And honestly, about six months in, I was calling Ranger Branch saying, please get me <laughs> out of here. Um, and so I came back with the intention to report to inter-service of physician's assistant program, um, about eight months after I got back. The Army published the sequestration guidance, couldn't do it anymore, mm-hmm. um, but I was a RI at uh, 4th in uh, Bravo Company. Um, so I was there. I was like, hey, I got two years left. I can I can ride this out the yeah. rest of the way and just retire at 20. Had plenty of gas left in the tank, but uh, 
it, there's so many blessings that's happened yeah. in my career that you're at first you're like, Oh, that's a tough pill to swallow, but it got you there and it got me to BRC. Um, so I wound up becoming the air at first. And so it was a free fall yeah. position. I like, nice like skydiving yeah. yeah get to skydive on the army's dime yep so i was jumping like a fool doing that and then i blew my back out oh, um man. so but I, I wound up rehabbing it and getting it back i was going to do a tasker to cutter um doha mm-hmm. um but that was the month that uh bergdahl got traded yeah. for five taliban taliban mm-hmm. members and they all went to qatar so you had to have a hard top secret clearance yeah. no longer interim like they used yeah. to do um, because of that, I got transferred into the S5 office. They needed somebody to help Gerald Nelson uh-huh. with uh, BRC, and what a blessing. Um, I worked with Miss Candace Bryant, who was our 20-year yeah. executive director. Absolutely phenomenal lady. Lived the Ranger Creed and fell in love with – had no family members who were yeah. in the, the military. You know what I mean? Like a direct tie. And was an executive director of a nonprofit for 20 years, making sure that, you know, we were legal, moral, and ethical as we, yeah. you know pers- – went into this new world of best ranger and, and having a nonprofit help enhance it. Yeah. Um, so I work with her, develop relationships with some of the industry people, you know, as, as much as I could, according to joint ethics regulations, but really it's all about them. They want to just hang out with right. rangers and get that yeah. modicum of experience of what it's like to be us. And so that's, that's really, I mean, that's a great segue for yeah. us to get into best ranger. Cause that, that is what made me fall in love with best ranger and then eventually get to where I am now. Um, I, I started in a doctorate of physical therapy program in Dayton, Ohio, after I hung up the uniform, that was my dream. I'm going to do that trajectory right. and the bureaucracy and just the way the system is right now, I, I could tell it wasn't for me. I had been volunteering at a, a hospice where you have a veteran to veteran recognition ceremony, uh-huh. pin a lapel pin on them. There's a salute and a verbiage. And there were some amazing times. The first person I did was a Marine engineer who cleared the beaches at Iwo Jima. Wow. Um, finished out his service for World War II, came back to Dayton, Ohio, became a nurse. Korean War kicked off, went back in the Navy. Wow. Was a nurse in the Navy for that time period and then came back and was doing like Rotary Club, mm-hmm. Boy Scouts. I mean, you want to look up just the making, of making the world better and community. Yeah. Um, so I was able to, and that person, they basically told me to get in there and recognize them because they were going to pass uh-huh. very, very soon. And as I dropped my salute from, uh, what I thought was a catatonic state, the guy said, whoever wrote that should be commended. And he sat up and we had a 20 minute conversation and really? look at my arms right now. I yeah, get the hair standing every, every yep. time I tell it. Yep. Um, and we had a great conversation. They slipped off and, you know, went to Valhalla. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's something amazing about that, the the lineage of warriors and how we pass things down and, you know, and now being able, you know, and so let me get back to, so I switched from the doctorate of physical therapy program to a master's in public administration. Because those two are so similar. Yeah. I mean, just uh, basically the same degree. Absolutely. Um, it was basically, I could get into that because my advisor told me, hey, you're already volunteering yeah. and do all this stuff. It comes with a certificate in nonprofit and community leadership. Well, I was kind of sad. Again, another sad point, but from sad comes good. I went out to SHOT Show because every ranger knows there's a uh-huh. out at SHOT Show. That's basically a, a second ranger reunion out there. Yep, and you have a hotel room floor that you can sleep By on. By the way, SHOT Show is where you take a bunch of guns and ammo manufacturers and you put them all together in Vegas. And, of course, that's where all the rangers are going to descend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I got out there a little bit early with Miss Candace Bryant. Uh-huh. And that's when she informed me that, hey, this is my last year. And I asked her, like, who, who you got to replace? And he goes, 
you um, because I had talked yeah. about the degree plan yeah. and boy, isn't that the circle of life, yeah. you know, to be able to come back. So um, we did an internship year and then 2019, uh, the 75th anniversary of World War uh-huh. II was my first year in the, the driver's seat. So I got a little bit of knowledge built up and then immediately COVID hit and, you know, yeah. and so there's been trials and tribulations, but I wouldn't have it any other yeah. way. It's so awesome to be able to represent the warriors in the past, the future, you know, what the trajectory is of the Ranger community yeah. as far as like the, the social support, the community outreach. There's so many good things that yeah. we can do um, in this world. So. Well, um, for those of you who didn't recognize some of those acronyms that he took, uh, he just threw out, Travis spent a long time in the <coughs> Ranger community, a long time serving as a member of that community. And then almost immediately after taking the uniform off, started serving the community again. So much so that Travis this week, you're going to be recognized and kind of, uh, 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 set apart as for your distinguished service, both in the uniform and out of the uniform to the ranger community and i want to commend you on that you certainly deserve it man um so congrats on that um big accomplishment congrats to you too jeff since you'll be sitting next to me yeah uh let's talk about the unicorn that you just mentioned twice for most of you out there none of this stuff uh may make sense to you but the ranger community is incredibly tight-knit they're very very um uh, close to one another. And it's not that hard to get in. And once you're in, man, you're all the way in, you can make a mistake or two. And if you make enough mistakes, you're out and they're going to let you know that you're out of the Ranger community, but it's a very small, very, very loyal community. So I refer to Candace Bryant as a, as a unicorn because she, as, as Travis just described her, she just came out of nowhere no connection whatsoever with the ranger community and for 20 years did perhaps more for the ranger community than any guy i know that served in uniform and she was a total civilian with no connections to the community whatsoever so why don't we just take a few minutes and let's just sing the praises of candace bryant you ran into her while you were working alongside of her right yes sir um it's it's kind of amazing to run into somebody and have that um Let's be honest, when you're in the military, you have that ego and bravado yeah. that you always, you know, outwardly, you know, throw and, oh, who's this one? You know, this is for gender integration. Yeah. So who's this? Because she's a tiny woman, yeah. you know, and um, but the the level of care and compassion uh-huh. that she put and effort, like you weren't going to outwork her and you definitely weren't going to out um, personal her. Yeah. Um, and so during the internship year, when we received people coming to BRC, she had me building little Chinese food things filled with uh, candy and like doing the bow yeah. where you take the scissors and you make it do a curly cue. I've like got a, this mental image right now of you doing arts and crafts for yes. Candace as you were getting ready to receive some, some dignity or some guests. Yeah. And it's so funny too, because all my buddies that I serve with are of course floating into the S5 shop at the Airborne Ranger Training Brigade. And they're looking at me making these things. I bet they're, they're like, laughing at you. Oh, like big, so strong funny. army ranger with all kinds of tattoos yeah. making all of these arts and crafts right now. Yeah, so funny. But then I take that stuff and I go receive legendary Merrill Marauder yeah. families. And I receive people that are coming for the first time to be a part of my family. I don't have any brothers, but I do. Yeah. You're one of them, you know? Like, yeah. And it's so cool to have a family reunion every year yep. where these people come back. And we're adding to the family with both the future rangers and just supporters right. as well. Yeah. I mean, we've got a kid coming this year who's come for um, 
eight years now. And I, there's a picture on the website of him. His mom took a picture of him at the Derby Queen the first year. And then this is really? his last year coming before he becomes a, a service member himself. Wow. So, you know, again, yeah. circle of life. Like yeah. this, it's, it's all over, around us. Yeah. And we just got to keep our heads up yeah. and look, you know. So. Yeah. Candace showed up at a time. You, you're aware of this, Travis. But for those of you who are listening, there was a point where the Ranger, uh, the network of supporters, the, the, the folks that were serving in uniform are absolutely some of the most dedicated, talented, smartest, strongest people you'll ever meet in your life. But there's a support network that has to be there to keep them together. And that support network kind of dissolved. Um, that support network dissolved and there was nobody there to put the pieces together. And then Candace, this unicorn, came out of left field with no con- no real background, no experience, and she just didn't uh, she just didn't want to let this thing fall apart. So basically, she took this thing on personally and personally kind of held the support network uh, for the Ranger community together. In fact, um, you know, for for many people who don't even know this story, there was a moment where the best Ranger competition al- almost didn't survive, and two people have stepped in over the decades to make sure that it didn't d- dissolve. Paul Voorhees, uh, a local legendary uh, business leader here in town, and Candace Bryant are the reasons why that competition continues today. And Candace, I hope you're here, here in this uh, episode. And if you are, I just want you to, to know you are amazing, man. You are absolutely incredible. I uh, Every day I, I think about her and I'm like, she has the temperament of buddha because yeah. i get i get mad about things you know and i still have the hothead in me i haven't cooked it out there's a the little way. ranger not yeah. uh, sergeant left in you yeah, yeah and me I, too. I mean i'm a redhead too so you know i got the yeah. ging deep buried mm-hmm. deep inside so um but you know i always have to harken back would she approve and would general grange approve yeah. as well because i talked to him and you know joe ripito and colonel puckett you yeah. know there, there's so many uh, and colonel puckett's get you know got the moh this year uh-huh. but anyone who served out there and was around him he didn't need a bell of honor yeah. to tell right. me that he was an amazing yeah. human being and a great man yeah um but boy isn't it great that he got recognized Absolutely. finally so. yeah 65 70 years uh <laughs> later but yeah i mean finally got the credit he deserves um, we're going to talk about the Best Ranger competition. Really, that's what I want to do is camp on this for the rest of this episode. For a lot of people that are listening to this, they have no background, don't understand what this is. They um, maybe have no connection to it whatsoever. And the reason why we're going to spend almost an entire episode of the Unbeatable podcast talking about Best Ranger is because this really is the training ground, the to demonstrate uh, the some of the most unbeatable people on the planet. Um, your connection to Best Ranger started while you were still in uniform working at the, the Ranger uh, Training Brigade headquarters, correct? Yeah, I mean, there were some times I had to fill in and, you know, help out in different capacities. But, yeah, definitely RTB, when you're in the Ranger Training Brigade, that's when you really feel the – the ebbs and flows of best ranger just i mean you're you're still running ranger school which is a program of instruction 11 classes every year and then they take a break and there's actually been years where they had ranger another ranger class and a best ranger yeah um so i mean honestly you know you had talked about it earlier the chairborne rangers started it and the Mm -hmm. you know best ranger competition was kind of an informal ranger olympics or squad comp almost at first well 
I liken it to if you show up at the Kentucky Derby and they have these amazing horses, you don't want to see some 300-pound farmer sitting on the back of it, right? <laughs> um, you want to see a great you know, jockey with the great equipment so that that horse can run. Um, but there's joint ethics regulations. Right. So for um, a few years, you know, they were trying to find out how they were going to do things. Well, that's when Colonel Barron and Candace got together. Yeah. They established the National Ranger Association, a full 501c3 uh-huh. nonprofit. Um, and so, uh, there's three events that we support distinguished members of the brigade, uh, Ranger hall of fame, and then the best Ranger competition, obviously. Now there's other ones that we do that we don't, you know, we, we buy the rifles for gold star family every year, you know, but those are targets of opportunity. We can't write them into our constitution and bylaws. Um, so, uh, we go to the association of the United States army conference. We take basically the commander's dream list of Uh what would make the coolest best Ranger ever. And we, that with some of the gear to outfit the competitors. Um, and we, it's this public private partnership. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and we undergo two legal reviews annually mm-hmm. so that we make sure that we're legal, moral, and ethical. Um, and, and really it, it when you think about it, it is a family reunion yeah. for the Ranger community yeah, sure in is. between Ranger rendezvous and, you know, and, but this one's different cause you see everybody just getting after it yeah. over two and a half days. And, um, I, I honestly, every time I come, I, I, I tell people like you might be an ultra marathoner right now, but when you come here and you watch what these guys go through over the weekend, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, you're going to be invigorated with some type of motivation. Right. Be like, man, I got to do more. Yeah. got to get after it more. I got to work harder. Yeah. And, and it's not just the competitors either. It's talking to people like yourself and the history to talk about. So you can understand the depth of what our community is all about. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't know just because we weren't there, you know, right. and that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. So when you talk to these people face to face and you know, the trials and tribulations that they went through, maybe it makes some of the things that you've gone through, not so right. horrible, you know, and you can get over it. Um, and really it's the just sense of community and just to bring yeah. it all together. It's unbelievable. So let's, you just, uh, started to talk about it. Let's describe how this thing got its start because it's the, um, the Ranger community has been around and, and fairly well established before the best Ranger competition started. And one of the living legends from the Ranger community, uh, his name, uh, the competition bears his name. Um, but you, as the director of the National Ranger uh, Association, can give everybody the background. You and I um, have a little bit of background from this thing back in the 80s that I don't think most people would understand, even those that have tem- taken part in the competition. So you described it as the Ranger Olympics. Give everybody a little history on how this thing got started. So uh, David E. Grange, general, retired. Very now. famous, um, legendary, probably the most legendary living Ranger. He wanted to bring together with the Chairborne Ranger element that I was talking about, which was, uh, at the time, some retirees, just yeah. friends who had gotten out and were in industry. They partnered together to put on this, you know, Olympic competition and um, in the early 80s. And now we've reached our 38th annual yeah. with three non-conduct years because of war or uh-huh. COVID. Um, but... Boy, just to bring together that group of people to make sure that, you know, this competition happened. And General Grange, there's, you know, a multitude of videos online where you can watch. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear him talk because he's a Long yeah. Island guy, uh-huh. even though he lives in North Carolina. And I just listened to him talk and become mesmerized with his stories because he wanted to join the Marines. Yeah. And the Marines wouldn't take him. Thank <laughs> goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Because we've got a legend. That's because exactly of it. right. Yep. 
So um, it started off as kind of a squad competition, just to pair, uh, just to figure out who's the best of the best out there. And it literally, it, it, a lot of competitions kind of throw that term around best of the best, but very few of them can really back that up. I mean, this one really does back it up. You want to take the best, some of the best units and the best uh, servicemen and women from, by the way, across all branches of the U.S. military and foreign services, and you want to take their best competitors, put them together in the same place at the same time, give them the worst possible circumstances, and just see who comes out on top. That's kind of how this thing got its start, right? Yes. And as you said, now 38 years later, still going strong, and honestly, every year, I think it gets better and better because the guys that compete are more and more committed to this thing. And the more committed they are, the better this competition is. That's a twofold thing. I'd say yeah. commitment and then our advances in technology. I mean, there's more of a, a push for, you know, um, a lot of the biometric stuff, you know, and, and, and they try and take that data from our best ranger competitors so yeah. that they can figure out, you know, the performance, you know, not just tied to, we talked about it early, you know, with conceptual, like I can beat this or whatever. It should be tied to heart rate and right. how you're, you know, everything, you know, and so they get a lot of information for med medical service in the uh -huh. military, um, you know, and I think, you know, from a recruiting command too, boy, isn't it, all these amazing competitions that everywhere hosts, that's our story. Yeah. That's the army story. It, it really um, is a way that you can showcase for the world to see. There's not a lot that you can, not often you can do this, but this is one of those opportunities you can showcase for the world to see just how amazing these warriors are. Um, every year when the list of the world's toughest competitions are ranked, best ranger is usually ranked number two or number three. Um, I don't think I have seen a list in the last 30 years where best ranger wasn't listed in the top five of the world's most challenging competitions. And every year it's typically number two or number three. Um, so tomorrow morning, the best ranger comp, competitors will show up this thing will kick off before the sun comes up and it doesn't end until about two and a half days later ish um i do this segment travis we talked about this already in fact i asked you if you'd just be ready for this part of the show i want to talk about in this high five segment for this episode why i love this competition i've been around it honestly since the late 80s, I took part in it for years, uh, several years consecutively in the 90s. And ever since then, I have been there every year that I'm physically able to get there. I am at the Best Ranger competition. I even took our children out of school when they were young and told them, it's Best Ranger Day. You don't have to go to school. We're going to go out and watch the best of the best um, and watch them do their thing on Friday, the first day of the Best Ranger competition. So let's just go back and forth a little bit. Cool. Um, I've got this, my top five reasons why I love this competition, why I think it really is the greatest competition in the world, no question. Um, and I'll just bounce these back and forth for you. So here's number five on my list. It is the gathering of people that come together. It's the gathering of the greatest in one place at one time. And it doesn't matter what you're asking them to do. Just getting those guys or gals together makes it um, amazing. So that's number five on my list. Give me one for uh, one that makes it great for you. Well, mine's similar, but I'm not going to touch on the gathering. Oh, you part. can, yeah, I was going to say you can take the same one. if you it, want. It, it, that is an excellent point. But what I see is during day stakes on day two yeah. at Todd field, 
when you hear a former ranger instructor, former LERP ranger, whoever they are, you can hear them yell in the field. They're yelling at another one of their buddies that maybe the last time they saw him yeah. was on a Huey in Denang. 45 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And that sense of, like, I'm a GWAT vet. Yeah. So now we all want that kind of care yeah. and that ability to meet and gather and commiserate and see our friends and our loved ones that we haven't seen yeah. in years because life just takes you away, you know, yeah. so. There's a whole lot of just handshaking and catching up uh, with the spectators of the Best Ranger competition. Okay, here's number four on my list. The way that the competition is designed, this doesn't work out exactly every year, but typically one half of the teams that start the Best Ranger competition will not be around on the second day. Generally, more than a half of the teams won't finish this. And when you talk about some of the greatest warriors and most talented athletes in the U.S. military competing against one another, and half of them won't even finish this thing, that tells you this thing is no joke. That's number four for me. What about you? Uh, I agree with you on that, but I, I again, a different kind of look at it. So I think we're, the best ranger competition alludes to our future every yeah. time you look at it. And so in a world where a lot of people are given um, a trophy for participation or whatever, you don't get that there. That's you get right. a t-shirt and you get to take it to the house. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. And I mean, these are guys that could run me into the dirt, uh -huh. you know, and it's like, oh, well, that's just, that's just the way it yep. is. Yeah, there's uh, no trip to Disney World or no, you know, ginormous ring that you get to wear, uh, no, you know, uh, championship ring, but um, you're doing it out there just to show that this is who I am and um, honestly to represent your unit. Okay, here's number three for me. I love the fact that this is incredibly physically challenging. It wouldn't be ranked at one of the top uh, endurance competitions in the world if it wasn't brutally challenging physically, but it's not just physically challenging. All throughout the competition, very there are very deliberate moments where they're going to stop and check your military technical abilities. Basically, you're being tested both mentally and physically, and that combination is exceedingly rare in ultra-endurance events. And for me, the balance of those two makes it all the better. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go against you go on that. For not, not that I say I don't disagree. Um, but I, I love the public private partnership. Yeah. I love the fact because Rangers have a reputation. If you put us in a hole with a piece of equipment, two things are going to happen. The equipment will break. And so will we. Um, so if I'm a company and I have this new and innovative product, what's the best way to showcase it? Get it in yeah, the hands that's of the, right. And boy, isn't that a, like a model for uh -huh. capitalism? Yeah. Like, yeah. And we don't, everybody bring it on in, yeah. compare it. We'll, yeah. you know, fight it against if each other. If it can other. be broken, those guys will figure out a way to break it. So let's just see how tough your stuff is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, here's number two on my list. It's the, the fact that you compete as a buddy team, a ranger buddy team. So a two man team, two person team. Um, up to this point, there have been women who have successfully completed ranger school, but not yet a woman who has competed in the competition. And you have to have completed some of the toughest training in the military ranger school in order to compete. But the fact that there's a two person team aspect to this, it brings in a level of strategy because everybody has weaknesses, everybody has strengths, and maybe your partner is really, really strong on this event, and you're not so strong. Maybe you're really strong on the next event, and your partner's not, and there's some beauty that goes along with this Ranger Buddy Team concept that makes this thing special as well. 
Yeah, I totally agree. The capabilities, the untapped capabilities of the human body and then the mind, the gamesmanship that they put on yeah. and some of the, I, that's the greatest thing about the military is you have people from all walks of life and the way that people attack problems is all different. Yeah. And it's so neat to see how they do it under duress, right. you know, when their physical and their mental constraints are tested to the, to the wee yeah. hours of the morning that's right. and they come up with these ways to overcome the, the obstacle in front of them. Um, I think a lot of people can really glean a lot of stuff, you know, information about yourself. You know, yeah. even for us that went to ranger school, they always said, you're going to learn something about yourself oh, while yeah. you're there. Yeah. Even if it's easy, it's not easy all That's the way right. through. There's a time, even if you were like, oh, it wasn't what I had built up in my head. There's a time when you challenge yeah. yourself and you're like, wow, I'm not exactly who I think I am. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, okay. I've been saving this one for last. This is number one on my list of why I love this competition. Why I think it's the greatest endurance competition in the world. At some point, because of just how incredibly talented those other teams are that you're competing against, you have to make a decision. Are you willing to sacrifice everything to win this thing? And what I love most about this competition is it really becomes at some point, it isn't you and your buddy competing against the other teams. It's you competing against yourself and you deciding is tonight the night where I'm prepared to give it all, put it all on the line. And I actually may go to the hospital. I may drop over dead before I finish this event, but I can't win if I don't give that kind of effort. So am I really willing to give that kind of effort and every team that is successful and I'll define success in best ranger in just a second, but every team that's successful, it is ultimately them uh, beating themselves and deciding I'm going to conquer myself in this competition. That's what I love about it most. See, for me, um, I love that all the foundational people that built that house come in every year. Yeah. And then they get to see what the future is doing. You know, we, a lot of times, you know, and especially now, a lot of people are unsure about themselves. They're unsure about the world. But with our kids and the, the next rank of, you know, soldiers or whatever, when they come there and they participate, they show you what the future is going to look like getting after it. And boy, mm -hmm. isn't that an amazing uh -huh. thing. And something that makes you proud to be an American and proud to be a ranger. I mean, they push the lore every year. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we all serve with someone who got the ranger tab and then they felt that they were at the apex of their career based on that cloth. I felt I've now reached a community with you yeah. and Mike Kelso and all these different people where I owe something. I owe, I owe a legacy, like I have to do things right because now eyes are upon me. Travis, I feel the exact same way. Every day when I was serving in the U.S. military around Rangers, I felt like I'm going to get up and I'm going to earn the right to stand with those guys. And I don't mean try to beat them at their own game, but I'm just going to, I will not hold those guys back. And I stayed around the Ranger community so that I could get up and get really, really excited to be able to be in the presence of some of the greatest people on the planet. Um, okay, so at this point in the podcast, a whole lot of people are listening and they're like, okay, I have no idea what this is. I've never seen it. Um, I don't even know. You guys haven't even described it. So let's just take some time and describe what this thing looks like. By the way, there are several events along the way that you know what you're going to do next, but there are some points where you don't know, it's not published, you're going to figure it out when they place the challenge in front of you, and maybe you've never done this before in your life, well, just go figure it out. And by the way, you're being timed, and you're being graded, and you're going to get points um, added or deducted based on how well you do this event. 
But let's just talk about what this looks like for the average competitor starting tomorrow morning. Can you kind of describe what this is like for somebody who's driving on their car and listening to this episode right now? So we got the I said driving on their car, probably in their car and not on their car, because if you're driving on your car, there's something wrong here. Could be a roof surfing. Yeah, I don't that's know. right. Um, but we got the competitors, and from Monday to Thursday this week, we conducted risk reduction control measures, standardized their packing list because ounces are pounds. Okay, and pounds so talk about time. that. You don't get a chance to take whatever you want on this thing, right? Yes, we have a pre-published packing list. We and this is where I come into play because I can get support of uh, industry to uh-huh. give these guys some new gear that they can utilize. Um, and so they have a standardized packing list. It makes sure that we are talking about the individual, not the equipment right. that they have on them as far as performance goes. So throughout the week, some of these units are coming from all over the world. Uh-huh. Some of them have not done some of the capabilities that they did in Ranger School and or Ranger Regiment or airborne units out there. You know, we used to do jumps, and so they would have to do something called a basic airborne uh-huh. refresher so you had a standard baseline so that you don't hurt yourself. That's you right. know, we're trying to make sure that we do the right thing so that everybody's standardized, and it creates a better competition. So Friday... Yeah, can I just jump in at this point? For those of you who didn't understand, why does it make a better competition? That means all of these super elite athletes don't get to bring their own gear, their best gear. They don't get to take their favorite stuff. Hey, everybody is going to use the exact same equipment. Everybody is going to carry the exact same things. And nobody has an advantage based on equipment or or any of that. That is alone a game changer. Keep going. Absolutely. So... um Tomorrow morning, uh, the guys at 0600 will be lined up right outside a beautiful Camp Rogers, Fort Benning, Georgia, right by the Ranger tab out there. It's an iconic area. We, those who have gone to Ranger School or even visited Fort Benning, they've seen everybody the, knows that they've spot. Seen that yep. sawdust pit and went, ooh, I don't want to walk under that thing. There's a there's a bunch of bears that'll yep. get you if you go over there. So. There'll be a starter pistol fired, and when that happens, it's controlled chaos for the remainder of the weekend. Yeah, I hope you just heard that. The gun goes off at uh, before the sun comes up tomorrow morning, and it doesn't stop until the last person crosses the finish line two and a half days later. So the Friday events, typically a uh, lot of running, a lot of rucking, shooting, different weapon systems, um, obstacle courses. I mean, there's a medley of things. Like you said, they get tested on. But Friday night is when they'll go into a road march. Friday night is brutal. Unknown distance. Um, and they will walk, walk, walk uh, until, until you're told to stop. Until you're told to stop. And, and honestly, we're creating, you know, time gates on the back yeah. end and eliminating the field so that we, you know, for time constraints. Yeah. You know, we got two and a half days, but we don't want to keep it lagging for someone that's limping. Right. Because, again, hearts of champions. Like, that's right. We'll keep going. Yeah. Um, then Saturday... Uh, that the guys will finish up the road march and they'll go into night hold, do some night stakes events, stuff like that. But Saturday, again, getting tested on stuff at night, technical measures and military um, training and stuff like that. But uh, Saturday morning we'll get up and we'll be at Todd Field for day stakes, which is a round robin um, training event. There well, is. Let's pause it Saturday morning for just a second. So okay. I just want to paint the picture about Friday. So you have been working. Um, uh, picture yourself as a competitor. You and your buddy uh, have been working. You've been given every event in front of you, given it your all obstacle courses, uh, 
you're going to run, you're going to uh, spend a lot of time with equipment on your back, you're going to shoot and everything is timed, everything is, com- uh, you know, highly competitive. And then on Friday night, you will start uh, a long walk, which some years, based on the weather conditions and the crowd of competitors, this may go for marathon. This may go more than marathon distance. And imagine doing a marathon after you have already been physically exhausted for almost 18 hours. That's when the marathon starts. But wait, it gets better because the marathon is over very difficult terrain. And you're carrying a very heavy load. I think if I remember correctly, most of those guys are going to carry somewhere around 60, 65 pounds of equipment on their back at the start of this marathon. And uh, the marathon actually doesn't end until you and I know the math on this one, until it's physically impossible for about half the teams to be able to cross the finish line in time. That's when we're going to stop. Maybe it's going to be 18. Maybe it's going to be 28. Maybe it's going to be 35 miles. Don't know. But at some point, half of the teams will not be able to make that point in time. That's where we're going to stop, right? Yes, absolutely. And you said, you know, that that weight started that way. That weight is maintained the entire time. That's why we do a layout uh, yeah. to make sure these guys have to maintain every single item that they're issued. Um, they lose anything, they get gig points. Yeah. Um, so if they try and dump weight or gamesmanship that way, we catch them in that too. So that's an amazing part of it too, because they scrutinize every single piece absolutely. of their equipment. Yep. Because some people could take a, uh, uh, we call it a whoopee, but it's a blanket, right? Yeah. Um, and they could cut a four by four square, which they did some years ago until we <laughs> said, here's the NSN. These are the size, yeah. the, the, the serial number. So you can order it off yeah. of the, C, the central issuing facility or whatever. Um, and so we had to standardize and be specific yeah. about stuff like that. Because they'll cut corners everywhere oh, yeah. you can. Bring, of course. Bring foot powder and they yeah. bring a thimble full, like <laughs> a small Ziploc baggie filled with foot, like tiny bit, like yeah. a pinch of foot. That's foot powder. Um, so that kind of gamesmanship, this is the, how detailed we have to be as far as releasing the order, the packing list. Ex- I mean, everything we do has a task condition yeah. and a standard that we put out. Um, so Friday, we eliminate half the field. We typically be- begin with uh, 50 to 54 two-person teams. Friday night, we'll cut to 30 to yeah. 32 uh-huh. two-person teams, something like that. And then Saturday morning, they get up and they do this round-robin event that I've alluded to a little bit, talking about the old veterans that, you know, meet each other. But while they're doing that and having their own reunion, the competitors are running around, and they call it the Tri-Towers Challenge. Typically, the iconic Prusik climb is what everybody knows about. Um, There's also a Ranger First Responder Uh lane in there, which is amazing because we always talk about medical extraction, but until you have that heavy casualty and pumping blood you don't understand how you know and and in a tight environment trying to pull people out it's just so rough and then there's the great equalizer that we always say if you've never played baseball grenades is an issue for some people Um, so that's happening all day saturday and in between that they'll move out to krilling range Um, the army marksmanship unit uh, maintains that range but we utilize it during best ranger great range Um, we'll have a four gun shoot so four gun shoots consist of 
a, uh, a normal M16 style rifle. You know, AR rifle. Um, we have the 320 M17 uh, pistol handgun, mm-hmm. uh, a Benelli M4 shotgun. shotgun to shoot clays from a stationary position. They're not throwing them up in the air or anything. Um, and then a long rifle from Knight's Armament. Yeah. Uh, that is, And they're all uh, Army program or record yeah. stuff typically. Um, so they'll get done with all those events. And then, um, this year they're not doing it, but they go into their land navigation. The commander some years back, and we'll probably revisit it once, uh, you know, we get the the fog of COVID off of us and, and money isn't so tight, but they would pull a lottery ball out so that the competitors would either have to land nav here at Fort Benning because Ranger School has three different uh-huh. camps. That's right. So let me caveat that first. So they would either have to land nav here at Fort Benning. They may have to land nav up in Dahlonega, in Georgia, the in the mountains, or down at our swamp phase right off of Eglin Air Force Base at Camp Rudder. Um, so that kind of – and we have – you know, yeah. previous years we've had birds yeah. ready to throw the uh, – birds, I mean helicopters uh, – ready to – They're not to pterodactyls in <laughs> – if you were wondering <laughs> to put the competitors on and so that that's usually a pretty neat uh thing that happens in best ranger but this year they'll be here um they'll conduct that uh, again cutting the field yeah um so uh that land navigation has a time standard and uh-huh. if you are not back and the way they make the points they are far away from each other so again caveating that jeff said that They've already done these unknown distances. They've run. They've done these obstacle courses. Now they have to find points at night running pretty much yeah. um, while maintaining a good azimuth, too. Yeah. Um, so we'll cut the field down again, and that's when we'll finish with the final 15 or 16 teams. Um, Sunday typically is a Derby Queen day. Um, it's not this year, though. So, But you'll do the combat, combat water survival uh-huh. assessment on Victory Pond. Um, you can see that at any Ranger School graduation during the Rangers in Action uh, demonstration. But um, they'll do that on Sunday. And then this year they'll shoot at Red Cloud Range. Um, a lot of big boom guns, yeah, let's say. Yeah, how about that? Um, so we got the Law, which is uh, like a portable bazooka, let's weapon. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then um, once they're done shooting you know, that range, they will do their final buddy run. And we're finishing this year at the National Infantry Museum. Yeah. Free museum keeps winning museum of the year. So it's great to bring that together because we always want to collaborate with the community um, and just bring in the stakeholders and and show our appreciation for, you know, the the community and the Ranger community uh, alike. Is there a Spartan race this year? There is not. Yeah. So I want to uh, describe this for people as you start to say, all right, I'm getting exhausted just listening to what Travis described. Well, on Saturday night, the second night of the competition. And by the way, there is zero sleep programmed in there. So you may be able to fall asleep for a few minutes waiting for the next event, but at the most, you're going to get a few minutes of sleep. Saturday night, um, after the sun goes down, you're going to start this long distance land navigation course. And the truth is some guys on Saturday night will move 40 or 50 miles that night alone under a load. And if you don't move real fast, you can't win. You might be able to stay in the competition on Sunday morning. You might not get cut, but if you don't move really, really fast, you won't win. So picture now you are a a day and a half into this ultra endurance event. You haven't even started the very grueling land navigation course that's going to take you all night long under a very heavy load. And halfway through the night, you realize if we don't start running and keep running for the next eight hours, we're not going to be able to win this thing. Generally speaking, in the past, the very next morning, 
Um, there's no sleep. You don't stop. You finish the land navigation course. They put you on a bus and they take you to the start of a Spartan race. And if you've ever done a Spartan race, you probably have gone back and, and told people, hey, I finished a Spartan race. Well, Best Ranger starts the Spartan race on the third day. Those guys blow through the Spartan race course before the race itself even starts. And generally speaking, their third day without sleep, they're moving faster than the guys that have been training for this Spartan race event. And that's all they're going to do that day. And then they're going to drink beers for the next two weeks talking about how bad Spartan was. But it's not over then. It keeps going and going and going until usually three or four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. That how this year is probably going to wrap. Uh, is that when it will probably end as well? Absolutely. I always tell people to be there at three because, as you alluded to, some teams are really strong. Yeah. Some years are really strong. You can tell because... Um, I guess competition breeds greatness, you know, and so I think the years that we have strong teams, the whole field is strong. Absolutely. Um, because you've got these ponies out in front pushing. The, and everybody pushing the wants pace. to win. Yep. So everybody's going to give it all they got. Yeah. Yep. But we're again, we're finishing, you know, the it's the flag pavilion right next to the National Infantry Museum. So it'll run between those flags, just like the Soldiers Marathon yeah. here on Fort Benning. Um, and so, and then they'll finish up after they finish up, they have to see the medics for about 30, 45 minutes, um, just to make sure the guys don't, you know, have any injuries. Uh A lot of times their feet are dog food. Oh yeah. Um, and they just sucked it up and dealt with it. Um, so it's pretty impressive. And then we have a, a final award ceremony where, um, the industry people will often give prizes for the guys who finish. Um, and so, and then you'll get that iconic shot that I think everybody can look up on the internet, yeah. you know, with Holden, um, back in the day, it was a Colt 1911 custom. Um, now because SIG is the programmer uh-huh. record, we have uh, SIG 320s with Ranger tap gold triggers. Wow. They're really neat. Yeah. Um, and so they'll hold those iconic pistols up and we'll know who the best yeah. Ranger was for 2022. Yeah. Hey, fun fact uh, if you are familiar with guys and gals that have this elite level of fitness, you also know how many calories they'll burn through and how serious they are about what they put into their body. Well, fun fact about Best Ranger, the food and water and everything that you eat is strictly controlled. You don't get to eat what you want. You're given um, military meals and that's all that you're given. And you will leave the competition if you eat anything other than military meals which means some of those competitors are going to lose, and no kidding, five, eight pounds uh, in the, and, and they already have very low body fat to start with, but they're going to lose five or eight pounds because the food and water is strictly controlled. Literally everything that could give a, a, a competitor an advantage, all of those are taken away in the best ranger competition. And it's just you against you, especially on the second and the third day. Um, as you can tell, for those of you who are listening um, and watching this right now, I am uh, the world's biggest fan of the Best Ranger competition because it really does bring out the best of the best. You have the best of the best assembling together for this thing, but when they start competing, man, you get a chance to see the folks that have decided, I'm going to give it everything that I've got, and tomorrow morning I may be on the hospital bed um, in the ICU, but I am not going to stop until I've given it all that I have. Um, and Travis, I have said this to you over the phone. We've kind of hinted at that um, in this episode, but there's no way this thing would be possible without tons of work 
behind the scenes and lots and lots of support. And there has to be kind of a system where all of those people out there that want to be part of this and make this the world's best competition can give their support. And you are that guy. Um, and I just want to say, man, thank you for continuing the legacy of the greatest competition in the world. So let's say somebody's listening to this broadcast tonight. They've never heard about Best Ranger. They're hooked. If you live in the Fort Benning, Columbus area, they can come watch it, right? So tell them how they can come see this firsthand. So uh, if you go to bestrangercompetition.com and there's a menu in the top right-hand corner, you can click it and there's a tab that'll say uh, gate info. That's your first step to gain access to the post. Um, if you are a DOD, Department of Defense ID card holder, you're good. They'll get you in the gate mm -hmm. that way. It's a QR code on there at the bottom. You just scan it with your phone. It takes about two minutes, and they'll pre-credential you. But you'll have to go to the main post gate on 185. I think that's Lindsay Creek Parkway. That's right. um, and so you'll go there. They have a little scanning system kiosk, and there's actually a video on there that I uploaded to help people. Nice. Um, so you'll scan your Custom, barcode. All about customer service, Absolutely. Travis. Absolutely. Um, but you'll scan your barcode that you'll have been emailed. Uh, amazing technology. Yeah. Um, but you'll scan your barcode. You'll get your credentials for the weekend. Um, and then you'll be able to come out to Camp Rogers and, and take a gander at, at the event. So Best Ranger Competition website is transforming currently. It will follow chronologically the flow of the competition and will actually host a live stream from the very first homepage that you guys will be able to see. Um, if anyone wanted to support, if you click on that uh, menu, like I said, you'll see a tab that says how to help. Hit the plus sign on that. It'll say uh, support mm -hmm. Best Ranger. Click on it. At the bottom of that page, you'll see a, a bar that says support the Ranger Best Ranger competition. You click on that. It has our packages, or you can just donate yeah. whatever you like. Yeah. Um, and with our packages, uh, it's a tiered system yep. of support, but it gets you to some of our social events. That's the other thing. Around Best Ranger, you know, this year, for instance, we'll be at the Rankin Livery with a live band mm -hmm. on Friday night. Saturday night, we have a small donor recognition ceremony where the command's able, I, I buy plaques, and yeah. the command's able to thank them for supporting them, you know, yeah. give them a coin and be yeah. there and just hang out with them. And then Sunday at the finish, line for the families and the competitors for doing what they right. did all weekend i solicit the prizes and make sure that yeah. the tables are you know indicative of the performance that they put right. on every year yeah um so if you want to come out you are welcome to come out follow the competition um it's it, like i said it's going to be at bestrangercompetition.com but if you're there at the starting line on the 8th of april um, there at Camp Rogers on Fort Benning, we have a, a Cliff's Notes version that we call the Smart Book that'll be printed yeah. out there, and I'll be able to give you one of those or direct you to the website and help you out. I want more and more people of the community, you know, here in the greater Fort Benning and, and regional area, you know, whoever yeah. wants to come, I want more family yeah. members and yeah. I want more people to see what our warriors go All through. Right. If you live in the Philippines or you're in South Africa and you're hearing this podcast tonight and they want to watch it, Where's the, where's the best way to get uh, like up to date information or even to watch some of the events? So, like I said, at the home page, best as soon as you hit on the landing page, you don't have to give them, it, the, give them the website address again. Bestrangercompetition.com. Go to bestrangercompetition.com because there's a couple of other websites out there that use that terminology. But make sure you go to bestrangercompetition.com. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, sir. And you'll see um, there'll be a. It'll look like a TV screen on there with a, a play button. As soon as you hit play, it'll catch up to whatever live stream event you want uh, or th where they're currently at, should yeah. I say. There is a 
in that top right-hand corner, there's also a 2022 menu. If you want to see who won a specific event, the scores will be posted as of that event chronologically throughout the competition. So you'll know as of day one, this event, as of day Mm -hmm. two, this event. So you can follow along because even if you don't know anybody in there, you'll start to root and cheer for certain teams just based on, you know, what they did, something, something about them that draws people in every year. So, Hey, for the unbeatable um, army and the audience, the listening audience, this may become like an annual episode for this uh, podcast because I am that much of a fan. And when you've started watching it, and now that you've heard this episode today, know what you're watching, I think you're going to become that much of a fan too. By the way, I've supported the competition in the past. I'm not eliciting funds, but these guys and gals really do deserve the best support possible. So you've heard from Travis how you can make a donation if you want to support it and uh, just provide some great equipment, great gear, great prizes for this thing. Um, Travis, there's so much more about your story that I wish we had time for, but I really wanted to make the star of this episode, this, the best, in my opinion, the greatest competition in the world. Um, So thanks for taking some time out of an absolutely insanely busy week preparing for the competition and spending it in the studio with me today. I'm privileged to be able to put the word out and get people, you know, out to best ranger. That's all I want is more and more people attending. And then actually to sit with you because you're one of the ranger legends that I looked up to. So, well, if people want to know more about you or about the association, would you tell them where they can find out more about you or the association? Um, so national ranger association.com is our website. Uh, we updated, I'm governed by a board of eight, um, it's a composition of mostly retirees that I worked mm-hmm. with and a couple active duty kids. Um, and they are a sounding board. They're not paid. They're 100% volunteers. Um, and they just, again, we give it the, the knowledge check yeah. to see if it's legal, moral, and ethical, and in the best interest of 30 BRCs from now, right. not just this year. Yeah. So, And if they want to know more about you, how can they find out more about you? Uh, you'd have to call me. Um, okay, I, just call them. Yeah, I don't. I don't like to um, pound my chest about anything. I just I love being out and, and talking about Best Ranger. So if you go to the Best Ranger Competition website, scroll to the bottom. All my information's there. There you go. You can get a contact out to me, and I will talk about Best Ranger or Ranger history all day long because always been a fan and always want to push the family as much as I can. So you've heard it from Travis. You've heard it from me tomorrow morning before the sun comes up. The, some of the greatest warriors on the planet will assemble together and they're going to throw it all on the line against one another, but it's ultimately them against themselves by the time this thing ends two and a half days later. Thanks for being around for this episode, man. Thank you. Heard it directly from him and from me. Instead of trying to point you to his, Travis's um, website or Travis's social media, I want to point you once again to the Best Ranger competition. Seriously, sometime this weekend, log on to bestrangercompetition.com and just watch these amazing competitors. The reason why we're doing this on this episode of Unbeatable is because these competitors really are unbeatable. And I just want to thank you. If you've tuned in to this episode for the first time, I want to say thanks for joining us. Hey, if you like what you heard, why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media? You can find us pretty much anywhere. Just search for at Unbeatable Podcast. Now, for those of you who've been watching us for a while and you really do like this podcast, why don't you do two things? Why don't you first tell somebody, hey, I found the greatest podcast in the world. 
Or better yet, why don't you go ahead and rate us on your favorite podcast platform? And by the way, I created a gift. I want to give it away totally free to you. It is the Unbeatable Army Survival Guide. It's a free PDF, and all you got to do to get it is just simply go to unbeatablearmy.com. I put years worth of work into providing this document that will give you some thoughts when you're facing some challenges. Thanks for being with us for this episode of Unbeatable. Now log in and check out bestrangercompetition.com.